Hi folks, buongiorno, and welcome to Everyone is a Coach, the new interview program by Coaching Deep Work. The concept is simple. In a world filled with gurus and coaches, I'm asking the exceptional, bright, and eccentric people I know about their blunt opinions on things like well-being, growth, career, and about coaching itself, buzzwords, and all the related nonsense. So remember, everyone is a coach. This week, we talk to an actress, athlete, CrossFit instructor, and entertainer. Lola Lopez Guardone will make us discover how the pandemic makes us diversify our skills, how the buzzword motivation is holding us back, and why women should defeat stereotypes by not choosing between being strong and being feminine. Andiamo. How would you introduce yourself? Well, I would start with my name, obviously, which is Lola Lopez. It's not my real name. Oh, it's not? No. So my real name is Maria Dolores Lopez Guardone, which is very long for like theater reasons. And because like it was shorter for field hockey and stuff like that, I switched to Lola very early on in my teenager years. Okay. I didn't like Lola at the beginning. And then someone from my hockey club called me Lola because there was no other option available sure. for Dolores because every, there was two other Dolores in my team. And then that same girl, I switched schools and she was in my school. So she introduced me as Lola and that was the end of it. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't have any more of a choice. <laughs> sure. Is that your, your uh, stage name? That's my stage name. Yeah. I like it now. It matches my personality as well. But at the beginning, I wasn't so sure of it. My family still calls me Dolo, which is like my childhood nickname. So which, which one is you now? You're more Lola. Lola. I'm more of a Lola. You're an actress mm -hmm. or, or actor. I think both are available, like they're acceptable. I I'm more of a director though. Okay. Due to the pandemic, I had to resort more to acting just to like stay in touch with my artistic self. Sure. But I'm like, my goal has always been like directing over anything else. Acting is kind of like a casualty of like getting there. You are also an entertainer. Yeah. You are in, in the entertainment industry. Like I always lead with my name and my personality, but I never lead with my profession because I wear so many hats right that it kind of like depends on the context of where I'm meeting this person which hat I'm wearing at the moment yes which seems to be sort of like a common trait of this interview program that mm -hmm. I met through the entertainment industry and elsewhere people that despite the fact that America is so concentrated on specialization on like mm -hmm. career that is very narrow the people that I've met have the characteristic that you just described so more than one tool in their tool belt. I think it's a necessity though. Like even though America, it's a very specific oriented like place, I think the more tools you have in that tool belt, the more resourceful you are within that specification that you do. Sure. Like if I was meeting someone from the entertainment industry, I would introduce myself as a director, like a theater director first. But since I have 15 years of stage presence in my life, I have that tool in my, in, in my tool belt where I can like I can coach actors in very different ways or I 
did set design and set construction for a couple of years back in Argentina. So like when I'm talking to a set designer, I have that tool in my tool belt of like at least knowing what they're talking about. Sure. I think like if you just stay very concentrated in your one specific thing, you are kind of like at the mercy of what the other specifications are. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm a control freak, but like <laughs> being in a position of power in a lot of the jobs that I do, I kind of need to know a little bit of everything in order to be able to be in control of the project. Like same thing happens in, in the fitness industry where I am currently working. Um, sure. I do CrossFit specific training, but at the same time, I know a little bit about a lot of other training methods because if someone comes in with something very specific, at least I can tell them in which direction mm -hmm. to go and I can offer more things things within my fitness training to them. It's more than being just a Swiss Army knife, it's being good at what you do and then having interest to expand on it and so kind of know more and more and build up on that. Exactly. I still have like the things that I do best. Right. I don't like to call myself a jacket of trades and master of none. Uh, right. Actually, like in one of my, in my job reviews in the first year I was working in this gym, my boss in the review wrote like, you're a jack of all trade and master of all. Like, it seems like you can do it all. Wow. And I was like, that's a very nice compliment. I'm a yeah. very big believer in the fake it until you make it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> feel very, I'm gonna seem very confident and inside I'm like freaking out. Sure. But I think like we also learn a lot doing stuff and like trying and trial and error and failing a thousand times and you and until you can get it once. And the more you know, the more you can do. Mm -hmm. And do you think that these different aspects of your personality and your life are disjointed sometimes They're, or they communicate to each other? How How is your CrossFit experience talks to your stage persona or is there no conversation? I think they're very, very linked together. And a part of the reason why I started working in fitness was because it, it is in line with what I, what I do in like my entertainment industry work and like in my directing work I feel like it all starts uh -huh. with the body and the soul like that connection of okay what am I doing in fitness we're just working on our bodies to make them perform better right and I feel like the entertainment part of my of my life is okay now what's the story that I'm telling thanks to this strength absolutely the healthier I am and the healthier I make the community that surrounds me the more freedom I have to create in my entertainment like aspect yeah so I think they're very very intertwined and also like the way I work I feel like my personality always leads mm -hmm. if you see me I don't know coaching a CrossFit class or with a personal training client it's not very different from when I'm directing a play oh interesting it's basically the same work it's like okay are we understanding each other are we having a conversation with the the actor or with my client or with the class like are we what are we getting out of this like collective experience that we're having at this moment that's really interesting to me because in my practice in coaching deep work one of the key questions is always what do you want to take away from the session or from this conversation and so it's interesting you 
you are kind of using the same method mm -hmm. both on the CrossFit classes and on stage. Yeah, I think it comes, I think, I mean, everything in life is linked, right? And there's a reason why I ended up coaching CrossFit and coaching in a community like EVF Performance, which is where I work right now. There is always an objective and it's greater than like, I just want to look good in the summer. You know? Right, it's, right. It's, it goes beyond that. It's, it's taking the focus off oneself and getting beyond the session. What am I going to do in the future with all of this? Sure. And I had a really, really good coach when I was in school here. His name is Boyd Gaines. He's like a Tony Award winning actor. And in each rehearsal, he would say, okay, what are you going to work on today? this rehearsal focus on one thing right like minimize it make it achievable pick something that you can focus on be specific in your training and then you can be general in your life right the more specific you get in your training the more you can rely on that training later in your life yeah. so you don't have to be thinking about it if everything is important all the time then nothing is important no of course and it the part that interests me is the specificity of the training but also explaining to other people who you are or what you want mm -hmm. to do. That's a very important question mm -hmm. that I ask my clients. What do you want to do? Yeah. And that often sends the clients to sort of like a tangent. They start to tell the story of their life or they start with an anecdote or they wander around and they go around saying what they don't want to do and what they hate. And then I mm -hmm. pause and say, what do you want to do? Explain it to me in 12 or 15 words max. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like forces them, as you said, to be specific, to build on that. Otherwise, we're just going to go around and try to chase all these possible things. Absolutely. And then you can't really apply your training in helping your client or helping your actor or whatever that you're working in the moment. You can apply your tool belt into that thing that they want to change or that they want to achieve. Sure. Um, I ask the same question when I have a new client or a new actor. It's like, okay, what do you want to work on? Like, and I usually divide it into two questions. It's like, what's your long-term goal? Mm -hmm. And what is like your most immediate thing that you want to achieve? Right. Like if we talk about acting, like what's your long-term goal? I usually get like, oh, I want to get to Broadway or I want to like be able to do this whole play and like mm -hmm. be able to transcend. And then I, I switch it into like the most immediate thing because I'm working with them in the moment. Right. So I want them to take something away from this next session that we're doing at the moment. Absolutely. Same thing with fitness. I'm like, what's your absolute goal? And a lot of people are like, I want to lean down and have abs. Or some other people are like, I want to be an athlete in the CrossFit Games. Sure. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to work on today? And they say like, I want to learn how to snatch. And I'm like, okay, let's work on that. Sure. Sure. And what is the best moment that you get to? What is your what is your high in either of those situations, alone or with coaching and training? I think it is when the body finally gets it because it's mm. it's a very different thing when you rationally understand a movement or a feeling mm -hmm. and when the body when it finally sinks into the body it it just changes everything it feels as a coach or as a director it looks and it feels simpler to me to watch i see 
Okay, and you can see it in yourself and in others. Yes, I okay. used to have that experience a lot when I was a dancer. I would look at the choreography and and say like, I can do that. I know that I can do it, and fail a thousand times <laughs> until I could actually do it. Because there was a part of me that the brain got it, but until it sunk into my body. Yeah. And once it got there, it was just effortless because I just had to trust my training. I recently had a similar experience lifting here at the gym, and I was going into a lift that I'd never done before at that weight, and I finally got it. But because the I failed it three times, and I kept like talking to myself, like just get out of your head, get out of your head. I know the steps, I know mm -hmm. what the technique is. I just needed to like not be in my head and just be in my body. And same thing happens when you're watching someone do something, and like you can see it even on TV when you see the good actors, they're effortless. Right, they make it look like it's. Nothing. You see them, and and you're like, oh, I can totally do that. And like acting is easy, and then you're put in front of people, and it's like, oh, actually, it's not. So it's like the transition from oh, this looks very awkward yeah. into this looks effortless. That transition, which is usually like from one second to another, mm -hmm. that to me is like it's the moment. <laughs> <laughs> when I observe ballet dancers, like the fact that they make it look like it's effortless, it's nothing. It couldn't be more far from the truth. Are you a competitive person? I'm super competitive. Are you a sore loser? I no, actually no. Uh, but it depends. You're not. Um, <laughs> for the most part, I'm not. I am a sore loser against myself. I'm not a sore loser against others. You, you put yourself there. Yes. So if I lost because I didn't give my 100%, then I am very sore about it. I'm okay. very, I get very upset and it's very hard for me to let go of that feeling. Mm -hmm. But if I give my 100% and I lose, then the competition was always against my own self and not against the other person. Right, right. Yeah, it seems that all these things that we're talking about are more related to how you do things, how you process things through your brain, and then you put them in action more than yeah. competing with an external force or adversary or for competition, etc. But I still want to like compete against the best, right? Like I, I, I play tennis now and mm -hmm. I don't like playing against people who are not on my level. Like, I don't like playing, I like playing people that play at my level or that play better than I do. Sure. If I'm gonna play with someone that never held a racket or have like, they haven't played in a long time and they can't really find their, their way in the court, then I'm not interested because then it's just, what am I doing? It's just a waste of time. You wanna be kept on your toes and you wanna keep on being slightly uncomfortable and you have to play better than your best. And it's and it's someone also that that wants to give their best in the game or whatever it is that I'm doing. Same with acting. Like I want to act opposite someone that's gonna bring me all their armor all the time. Mm -hmm. When I was in school, I had a scene partner for like six months that was always late, that was never uh, prepared for the scene. And it was just a waste of time because I did not do any work for six months. I didn't have anything to play with. Yeah, it actually affected you. There was no competition whatsoever. I want to compete on stage. I want to, like, same thing with my actors. I want people who come with a lot of ideas that want to challenge me, that come in with questions. I'm competitive in that sense that I, like, I get 
off with like the competition of someone bringing their best self and bringing the 110% of themselves and wanting to compete with me to get something out of the competition, not competing just for the sake of competing. The concept that we're, we're going around or the word that we're going around is a word that I particularly dislike, mm -hmm. which is motivation. Yeah. What is the worst piece of BS that you've heard or that you've seen in terms of motivation? I feel motivation is a cliche word that starts mm -hmm. with like, just dig within yourself and find something within yourself. It's such a utopic word and it's so self-centered. Mm. I don't say motivation, I say challenge usually, like to my clients or like what challenges you? Like, right. because it's like, you have to fight for something. That's very good, I like that. What challenges you rather than motivation, you're absolutely right. It's very self-reflective as a, as a concept. It's very passive. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just waiting for this miracle to like lift me from my chair so I can go for a run. That's not it. Right. It's like, you have to take the focus off yourself and put it somewhere else in whatever that somewhere else is. Like if it's your kids, if it's your health, if it's God, if it's your partner, if it's anything else that's not like, oh, something magical is gonna lift me from this chair. Right, right. It's not magic, it's challenge. So it's like, you have to find a force that's gonna drive you forward. Well, what is it for you? I find a lot of motivation in health, especially in the last year. We're all getting older and the world around us is getting sicker. How can I get healthier with time? Like, how can I keep doing the things that I love doing right. with time? I know that I, I'm a mover and I like to move. I started as a dancer, went through athlete and many, many things. And I'm like, I know that I'm not gonna be able to lift weights for the rest of my life. And so I started playing tennis because I know that tennis, I can move sure. forward. I can keep playing along the way. I never stop dancing. Right. So it's like, to me, movement and the ability to be able to move always drives me forward. My next question was mm -hmm. about, you know, setting goals. I'm so fascinated with the dynamic in which people self-sabotage, mm -hmm. in which they set goals for themselves, mm -hmm. but sometimes they're unrealistic. And so how do you set your goals? And are you, do you self-sabotage? Do you find yourself slowing yourself down by by setting your goals how does that work i think we all have that voice that wants to self-sabotage us i think it takes a lot of external support and a lot of mental health to not have that voice thinking that we don't have that voice it's in itself an unrealistic goal right but it's it's okay what can i find around that that's it's gonna mute that voice a lot of the times it's my surroundings it's my friends that do the same thing that i do Mm -hmm. that have their goals of themselves. So their own drive drives me forward when I can't really quiet those voices. Right. Checking with myself and setting immediate goals for the day is something that propels me to keep moving a lot. You focus on what you see. Yeah. So like with the pandemic and everything, like we all stopped moving for a lot. Like gyms were closed. A lot of people can't work out at home. I don't like running. So like I'm not going to go for a run. Right. But I went from being like a really well-rounded athlete and Olympic weightlifting and gymnastics and stuff into like 
six months of not doing anything. And then unrealistically, because of that self-saboteur that I have and we all have, right. I wanted to come back to that stage where I left before. Did that work out? It did not, of course. Like I was gassed, no air. I failed a million times, but it's, I think it's important and it like kind of loops into your previous question of like, am I a sore loser? I am mm. when I don't give my 100%, but that 100% is that high intensity, that, that thing that I strive for, it varies with the, with the day. It varies with the person. Some days I come in and I woke up at 4 a.m. and I had a lousy night and I did not sleep well. And I woke up and I didn't have whatever at home. So I didn't have a lot of breakfast or I didn't have my traditional breakfast. And then I come in, I start working out and I'm not really feeling to like lift a hundred pounds. Then I'll lift 70. Right. And it, that's and you're and you're fine with that. And that's fine because I'm like, okay, what is that I can do today? What's my immediate goal today? A lot of the times I come in and I'm like, I know I can do the lifting and I should do or like I want to do conditioning, but I don't have the energy to do the conditioning that I have planned for today. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to do what I have planned for today, but I'm not I'm not going to score myself. And it's it's important to me to highlight that ability to observe yourself is something that I help my clients develop because we get stuck into our own brain and our own body almost where we cannot perform something or we fail at achieving our daily goals or weekly goals or whatever goals. And then we kind of we kind of like fester in that while sometimes I push them to take a step out of their own near body and say, observe yourself, what works? what didn't absolutely and I'm, I'm realizing that that helps sometimes people are able to not be sad about or justify their own failures but to kind of like take a look and say i tried to do this thing this way but it didn't work i'm going to change it next week and that works out yeah I think I, one of the things that I tell my clients a lot and I tell my actors when I'm doing a show or something, we had to learn to be forgiving with ourselves mm. because a lot of the times there are things that fall out of our control. Right. As long as you're always bringing your true self and bringing 100% of your effort to it, if you fail, you did not. If you brought your 100%, you did not fail. You took a chance. Right. I, and to my actors, I usually say, like, if you're going to fail, fail epically. <laughs> Bring a hundred percent, do it with all your might. And then if you fail, fail epically. I like that. I think that's, that's appropriate. And what do you think of the, in relationship to what you're saying, there is a certain subculture in this country. You and I are both non-American. Mm -hmm. So I think we get with a different eye. There's a subculture of complimenting sometimes excessively. Mm -hmm. You know, you're great. You're amazing. You can do this. Mm -hmm. Go girl. And I always saw it as an issue. It's something that sometimes people do because they're uh, they're well intentioned. Yeah, is not always the best way to achieve. It's goal. it's the excessive head holding, as, as we say here right. in the gym. It's like it kind of like depends on the person and what the goal of the person is. If it's someone that's very new and very scared of what they're gonna do then that over cheering helps a lot to like kind of let go of some demons and be in the moment and enjoy what they're doing mm -hmm. 
I am not a fan of the participation trophies, and I think mm. the over cheering sometimes develops into that participation trophy yeah. of the well. At least you showed up. That's a low bar. <laughs> Who wants to live under that philosophy? You, then you're just a body in a place. You're not. Your soul is not there. What are you getting out of that? Like it all falls back into the beginning. I was like, what are you getting out of this? Yeah. Get out of the house and do stuff that inspires you. Right back to that moment. Motivation, motivation thing that is kind of like an empty concept because even if you are motivated, you're motivated to get to the gym. It all, it all goes into like that connection of the mind and the body, integrating everything. I think it goes for everything. If you go on a date and then you're just sitting there and you're a body in a bar, just bouncing words against the person across from you, then why are you there? You're just wasting your time. You're wasting the other person's time. So at the end of the day, it's like, are you being honest to yourself? And are you being honest to the people around you and the people who count on you? Because if we fall back into the beginning, mm -hmm. it's taking the focus off yourself. So why are you there? And are you being your true self? I like that. Like take the focus out of your own self mm -hmm. in order to achieve what you want. This is Lorenzo at Coaching Deep Work. I help event producers, executives, and creatives organize the schedule of their professional life. Do you want to increase your productivity, improve your organizational skills, or just design a better work-life balance? Contact me at coachingdeepwork at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. It's coachingdeepwork, as one word, at gmail.com. And you posted on your social media, on your Instagram, which is Lola WKD, something interesting that was related to exercise versus punishment. Yeah, especially working in, in the fitness industry, especially being a woman in the fitness industry, I think there's so much social pressure on like, oh, you have to exercise in order to earn your food. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and thank God I surround myself with like very smart people and especially very smart women that are like breaking that concept of exercise and food as a reward or exercise as a punishment because of what you ate the night before mm -hmm. or because you're going to go out on the weekend. Exercise should be a celebration of what your body can do. Yeah not a punishment for what you ate or not. Yeah. And the same thing goes for food. Like, yeah. food should be an enjoyment of a culinary art. I've seen that there's also, in terms of fitness, more attention to the fitness than to the nutrition part, meaning it happened mm -hmm. to me to lose weight and people would say, oh, you look better, you lost, you lost weight, have you exercised more? Not understanding that the exercise is mm -hmm. only part of it. At that time, I didn't increase my exercise. I made choices on my diet. Mm -hmm. So but people see the other part of it. You want to look better, you want to lose weight, you got to exercise. Yeah, there's like two parts to that. So one, we always teach here that abs are made in the kitchen. Nutrition plays a very, very important role in aesthetics and overall health. Mm -hmm. Because that's always front and center. Like nutrition is a very important thing for the health and for the like weight loss. Like there's more weight loss diets than there are weight loss exercises. Sure. And we live in a very sedentary era. Like a lot of the people are in front of a computer sitting down for hours in a day. 
So it, right. it, I think a lot of the media like starts with exercise because at the end of the day, it's math. So you have to ingest equal amount of calories that you expend if you want to stay in the same weight. It's, there's no, there's no and, and, and it drives me nuts when people start like, no, I, I, I take this fat burner. <laughs> and I'm like, that's non-sustainable with, with life it's as simple as if you have if you use more energy than what you have then eventually you have to use like the backup generator right yes and, and i would add to that that to me and in people that i've observed this process is highly psychological there it is math but that math is highly hijacked by the psychology behind it of course are, <laughs> there are so many things that like surround aesthetics mental health takes a, a big toll on that like a lot of people eat when they feel depressed and they're more drawn to eating and less drawn to exercising so that's another thing so it's like there's so many things that it's so unique mm -hmm. to the individual and that's why like cookie cutter uh, diets and exercises never work i think like everything has to be a little bit more personalized and that's the way i work at least with my clients mm -hmm. because we're all different we all have very different cravings we ha all have very different things that we like doing if i was on like on just what the magazines told me to do i would be like eating kale 24 7 and going for runs and those are like <laughs> probably the two things i hate the most i will be a victoria's secret right, model right. but i would be so miserable and so yeah. depressed that eventually it's non-sustainable right. through time absolutely and there are different things hurt us differently or different individuals are hurt by the same things differently so so I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about these topics especially aesthetics wise because i noticed that your instagram profile shows two aspects of your life one is your mm -hmm. sport and exercise which is something that you're very active about and the other one i would call women related topics and aesthetics are those two things related or or are you trying to defy the the common image of woman as a weaker quote-unquote gender or definitely i i was talking to a friend the other day and i saw this it, it bothers me that it's a targeted ad because i got a targeted ad on instagram can you how many push-ups can you do it was it's with some sort of like exercise ban situation mm -hmm. and one of the girls in the ad was like i can do maybe three girl push-ups and i was like we need to eradicate that concept from the world what is a girl push-up it's just a push-up on your knee why is it called girl push-up and not knee push-up? I've seen so many guys in the gym <laughs> do push-ups on their knees. Oh. Why are we calling it girl oh, push-up? I see. It just perpetuates this idea that like women are weaker. I think, yes, biologically, men are potentially stronger. Yeah, they're in our species, the, the male is bigger than the woman. It's just like a biological thing. If I was training at the level that I'm training and there was someone next to me, a, a male next to me, training exactly the same way that I'm training, he will 100% be stronger than I am. Just because biologically we'll build that way. Sure. There's, they're separated. Like even in my sport and CrossFit, like the women compete against the, the women and the men compete against the men. And the weights are different. The, of course. The workout is the same. Women will do it with like a lighter weight and then 
the challenge for the body is the same. It drives me crazy to just generalize of like, oh, women cannot do something. Right. Or just like sit down and let the men the men do this. And I'm like, sit, you sit down. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> what are the things that you're fighting against or who, who is saying those? There are a couple of things that um, drive me crazy about that concept of women being weaker than men or less than men in a way. There are two things that I'm, I'm fighting. One is that concept of like, I think women can do whatever they want. Okay. Is that a, a thing that women tell themselves? I think it's something that's been very, very ingrained in society and that it's something that we as women have believed for many, many years. Yeah. Which is not true. Absolutely. And I think that even now, like even, and I'm talking this from myself and my own experience, even now that I understand that there are moments when I feel like the weaker sex just because I fall back into those patterns that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Like the society telling me something that is not really the way I feel or the way that I believe things are. So it's, it's recognizing what is the reality and what is what I'm being told to. And I think you're doing a good, a good job in kind of like surprising people with what you're doing and defying those uh, stereotypes. I remember that when we, the only time we were, we met in person, we were helping a friend move and you, you took a, like a table and lifted over your head and walk up the <laughs> stairs and we all looked at each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it was like sort of like a, you know, superpower, but very much in disguise. I like telling, I, li I have a lot of kid clients. I have a lot of teenager girls that are my clients and I like encouraging them to push themselves to just do stuff that challenge them to be as good or better than the boys. Mm -hmm. Like don't never tell like, people around you that you cannot do something just because of your gender. I think that's something that we need to take out of this world in general. And the other thing that I fight against and, and through social media and through my coaching with my clients and through my theater work is the idea that women have to be encapsulated in either strong or feminine. Oh. Interesting. That's another thing that has been like ingrained in society for a long, long time of like, if you're a strong woman, if you play sports, if your arms look muscular, if you look bigger than what the social construct of what a woman should look like, therefore you're masculine. Right. They put you in with the boys and therefore you cannot be feminine and you cannot be sensual or you cannot be sexy. And I think like that's something that we also have to eradicate. Maybe it comes from like my growing up in Argentina where the looks of the women around me were always very different from what I looked like. I mm -hmm. didn't really have a lot of like female reference of athletes that looked the way that I did. It wasn't until like I started looking at international sure. sports and even until I moved into the US that I saw people like Serena Williams or Ronda Rousey who are like yeah. huge muscular women super powerful and sexy as hell and I'm like okay we can be both <laughs> <laughs> that's good who that's, knew? yeah who knew <laughs> well that this is a very good way to finish our podcast and we have a fun little treat which is what is the word that you would like to be erased in the vocabulary Besides girl push-ups? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a word. I'm, I'm looking for like one specific term. I think the one word that I really hate is should. Should. Because nobody should anything. Like should comes from a social construct. Mm -hmm. 
It comes from a religious background. It comes from the politics around you. You should nothing. You do you. <laughs> right, right. All those things that are related to society or to dogmas or to trains that are made up. I think should comes from the opinion of someone that's very self-centered and their idea of what they want to see in you. That's sometimes and most of the times not what you want to see in yourself. Time to wrap up this episode. Certo, certo. Soon there will be more interviews with stimulating and amusing people from the entertainment industry and beyond. So remember, everyone is a coach. Don't forget to also check out our website, ctacoaches.com slash coachingdeepwork. Ciao, ciao.